Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. I read today, um, this week, I read about a, a guy who, who stopped at a grocery store uh, on his way home from work to pick up a couple of items for his wife. He, he kind of wandered around for a while getting what he needed. He kept passing this one shopper uh, in, almost every, in almost every aisle. It so happened that this other f- uh, person was another father trying to shop with a totally uncooperative for- the guy couldn't hear the whole conversation. He just heard the dad say, Now, Billy, this won't take long. As they passed in the next aisle, the four-year-old please got a little bit louder. Now the dad was quietly saying, Billy, just calm down. We will be done in a minute. When they passed near the dairy case, the kid was screaming uncontrollably. Dad was still keeping his cool. In, every, in a very low voice, he was saying, Billy, Settle down. We're almost out of here. The dad and his son reached the checkout counter just ahead of the guy. He, he still gave no evidence of losing control. The boy was screaming and kicking. Dad was very calm saying over and over, Billy, we will be in the car in just a minute and then everything will be okay. This guy was impressed beyond words. After paying his groceries, he hurried to catch up this amazing example of a patient and self-control dad just in time to hear him say again, Billy, we're done. It's going to be okay. He tapped the patient father's shoulder and said, Sir, I can't help but to watch how you handle little Billy. You're amazing. The dad replied, See, you don't get it. Being how hard it is to be a father when, when your kids are just constantly you know, trying to get you uh, and pressing every single nerve that you have, right? And and it is hard. And sometimes we have to keep ourselves calm so we don't do something or say something that we're probably going to regret later. And it's not just challenging because we, we're working with little humans who, for the most part, are very uncooperative. But it's also challenging because of the pressure there is to get it right. There's a lot of pressure for us fathers to get things right. Not to mention the challenge we face against society for, for many years now. You know, the society has attempted to downplay the importance of a father or a father figure in a family. And we've seen that throughout our lifetime. There has been ideas that have circulated in regards to the role of what a father is and what a father figure it's supposed to be. One idea, of the, that, one idea that is father's... Uh, should focus on teaching is self-esteem, right? For some time, many years ago, this idea started that us as fathers should be focusing on I say, Father, teach your son or daughter how to have a good self-esteem. This also has been a big rise of feminism who tried to devalue the father figure, who said, hey, we don't need the father. We don't need the role of the father. We can do it ourselves. They believe that they can take on the same role that a father can take on. 
For here we are many years later and scientists have come to learn that it's been a big mistake to let those ideas influence our culture and influence the way we view fatherhood. So much that currently the percentage of child of children without a father in the United States is 43%. So 43% of kids in the United States do not have a father figure present in their home. And of course, that leads to a lot more problems in society. It hasn't helped society at all. 71% of high school dropouts are from father, fatherless households. Percentage of uh, adolescents in substance abuse treatment who are from fatherless homes is 75%. These are youth, these are teenagers, these are kids who, who are in treatment centers who are missing fathers. Children uh, are four times more likely to be in poverty from the lack of a father in their home. 63% of youth suicide happens in households with an absent father. Children have a higher rate of drug and alcohol use in homes without a father. 85% of children with behavior disorders are from homes without fathers. These are pretty sad statistics. If you ask me, those are very sad statistics. I can't believe in a country where we have access to so much things, we have to read those kind of stats. And those are just a few. But based on just a few mentioned, those few statistics that I mentioned, fathers play a very important, they're 40% less likely to repeat grade school. Girls develop stronger math skills when growing up with a father figure. Boys get better grades in school when a father figure is active in their life. It's very important, the role of a father. And of course, this is not absolute, right? This is not something that's oh, it's concrete, it's always going to work, right? Because having a father at home doesn't always mean that the father is mentally there. Sometimes there's a father physically at home and he's completely absent from everything. He's given up or he just doesn't feel like doing his role. So he just sits there, does nothing. It's not part of it. It's like almost like if he wasn't even there to begin with. But this paints a very important picture that, of, that points of God's design and in creation of a father. This is a very important thing that we have to look at because that's how God created fathers to be. How important it is of his creation is seen in his creation when the absence of his original design is not there. Spirit filled. And that's why I titled this Father's Day sermon today, A Spirit Filled Father. And again, fathers have an enormous impact on their children, children's faith and value. It's, it's, it's so much of an impact that they have on them. They have a large impact on how they live their lives, how they shape out their lives. They, they have that responsibility. They have that impact on the way the kids grow up to be. And of course, we know that God ultimately has full control of everything, right? We, we've talked about this, how, how we could do certain things, but at the end of the day, God's in control. So therefore, he's going to say, uh, he has the final say. But he has given us fathers a responsibilities. And it's one of those responsibilities that we can't just put aside like almost half the fathers in this country has done. 
43% have done exactly this, have abandoned their families. But as believers and created beings, what exactly is our response? Verse 4 of Philippians chapter 6, where it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I mean, this is such an important topic. Fatherhood is such an important topic. You would think that Paul would give us a little bit more information, a little bit more guidance. Maybe give us a little more of the expectations. Hey, Paul, you know, help me out here, right? But he only gives us this one sentence, this one verse, this one line. But the way that the Holy Spirit works, this is not as easy as, or, or as basic as, as you can see from up front. This goes deeper. I mean, keep in mind, we're looking at a very small picture of God's idea of the family, right? Because we're only looking at one verse, all right? Today, we, we don't usually do this. We usually go through and make sure everything, uh, we look at everything. But I'm just focusing on one verse because I try to go more, but we would have been. Paul writes here, talks about believers being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in this specific verse, Paul is being directly, specifically towards fathers. That's who he's centering his attention to in this verse. Fathers. And the command for fathers is, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See, the word here, father, in Greek, can be translated as parents. It can be. Uh, there's other places in the Bible where the same verse comes up and it translates as a general idea of just parents. But here in specific, he's talking directly to fathers. Almost every translation points it specifically to fathers. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why we don't translate this as parents. We translate this as father. You see, Paul was, was saying here, uh, is to make fathers aware of how important it is to be spirit-filled fathers in the time that they were living in. See, because during this time, there was a, there was a law in, in, in Rome. Uh, I'm not going to say what it, the, the name of it is in, in, uh, in Greek because I don't speak Greek. But in, in the rights over the life and death of the children. They have full responsibility. They get to decide whether kids lives or not. They have the ability to decide whether their kids get punished, what kind of punishment, how do you punish. They pretty much had the responsibility and, and the rights over the life in general of their children. So basically, they had power whether a kid can live or die. I read about an actual ritual that when a baby was born, it was presented to the father's feet. So they would grab the baby, it was born, they were presented and put in, in front of the father's feet, and the father would decide whether that baby would live or he would be rejected. And if the baby was rejected, he would be thrown away, he would be abandoned. So it was up to the father to decide whether that kid was going to belong in the family or not. I read about some kids who will be put born sometimes with disabilities. And if you were a baby who were born with a disability during that time, the fathers will kill them. 
in the commentary, the commentator talks about a letter that was found written in 1 BC. It was in, it was in English, of course, but basically, and I'm not going to read the letter or anything because it was a pretty lengthy letter, but in this letter, it shows how a husband by the name of Hilarion asking his wife, Alice, while he was away, if you were to have a baby, if the baby was a boy, keep it. But if the baby was a girl, get rid of it. So it was like that. It was just like that, just straight up like that. If you didn't want it, he had the ability to abandon the kid, kill the kid, or throw the kid, or do whatever with the kid. And these kids that will, you know, that will be abandoned will either become slaves tools, they will become slaves, or be used to do different types of jobs around Rome, or even prostitutes, depending on, uh, on who he was. So during this time, the father had a great deal of responsibility over the child. That is a lot of responsibility. You get to decide whether my life was worth it or not. And the father will be the one to have to give an account to God specifically for that. I mean, talk about pressure. And we talk about pressure, the pressure we live on these days, uh, how successful a father should be or whether we're good, being a good father or not. And we feel pressure. Imagine having that kind of pressure on you, whether you are the one to decide whether you're going to uh, have your kids be alive or dead, or what kind of future your kids are going to have. So when God gives us this command, do this, it's a lot of to take on. So then what does Paul tell them how they should live and raise their kids? Right. This is Paul talking to the church. And we have to break this verse down into two points to fully see everything. Remember, you have to keep that in mind. That's why I told you about this law they had. And you're going to see what Paul is saying is almost completely the opposite of what the law is telling them to do. The first thing Paul tells them is, do not provoke your child, your children, to anger. So the first thing Paul tells them is, don't make your kids angry. And you're saying, oh, <laughs> really? That's a tough one, right? But see, he's not saying don't, you know, don't just give them everything he wants. We all know that kids want certain things. And when you say no, they get angry, right? I want some candy. Uh, we're about to eat, so no. Oh, but I want candy. They get angry. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying don't do something that will create an anger reaction from them. Don't do something that's going to upset them. Don't irritate them to a point that they get angry. Basically, you're exercising authority, but not crossing a specific line. We see the same thing in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, which says, Fathers have two kids. Oldest one is nine. Youngest one is uh, six. Yeah, six years old. He, was, he just turned six. So, I, you know, they're, they're young. They're not, they're not older kids. So I don't have a whole lot of experience with, with a whole many years. It's only been nine years of experience with kids and and, you know, and I get it wrong all the time. Uh, but having raised two kids and, and hearing stories and struggles from other families, I've, I think I was able to pick up a few things that we need to avoid so we don't anger them. And I believe this is what Paul is talking about when, we, when he says, don't provoke, don't make your kids angry. The first thing is that we shouldn't overprotect our kids. Don't be overprotective. 
And let me tell you something. Our kids belong to God. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. And though we have responsibility over them, it doesn't mean that we have to hover around them 24-7. It doesn't mean that we have to walk every single step that they walk with them all their lives. Express themselves. Allow them to feel the struggle and pain and the consequences of their bad decisions. We can't cover up for everything our kids do. They're going to make a mistake. Let them feel the consequences of those mistakes. We have to let them grow up. Let them make mistakes. For your kids, being overprotective is a sign of you saying, you don't trust me. If you overprotect your kids, they're like, I, I can't even go to the bathroom with you asking me 300 questions. What do you think I'm going to do in the bathroom? Come on. And of course, what's that going to happen? This is going to create upset kids, and it's going to create a rebellious kid. Because, hey, we all kind of been there where our parents were a little bit overprotective, and we kind of were like, oh, really? I can't do that? Watch me. Watch me. I could do it. So don't be overprotective. Another thing is don't have favorites. Don't have favorites, literally. Don't be like, oh, this is my favorite kid and do everything just with that kid. Don't compare your kid. I've seen it in other families firsthand how when you compare the kids, there's always one kid that's a little bit angry about what you're just doing. And if you do, it's going to cause them to be angry and bitter. Another thing is don't push unrealistic achievements. Be careful you don't expect something from your kids that they can't realistically be. Sometimes we want our kids to be professional basketball players and make millions of dollars, but they can't shoot a ball or catch it. It's okay. Don't expect your kids to be perfect because they're not. There are going to be times that they're not going to be good at something. And as much as we want our kids to be good at everything, and we want to push them, they're, they're just not. It's okay. It's all right. You know, sometimes we tend to crush our kids' spirit, forcing them to excel at something that they're just not really good at. Like I always said, sometimes... We respect them, right? Why judge a fish on how well he climbs a mountain when he's good at swimming? Of course he's going to fail. You're pushing that kid to do something that he's just not good at. You know, don't force him just for the sake of your own pride, right? We, 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 are, we can't be prideful people. We're like, man, my kid is so good at this. Uh, and you want your kid to be good at everything. So when you have conversation with other folks... Your kid is pretty awesome, right? And we're scared of our kids just being normal, basic kids. We're scared of that. And then sometimes we want to push our own dreams, right? That dream we once had that we couldn't quite achieve on our own. We want our kids to do it for us. And we can live that dream through them. Don't do that. Don't neglect them. Don't nag. Don't make life about you. Sacrifice your time for them. That's going to show to them that their time matters. Because you're saying, hey, I have things to do, but you know what? You matter more. So let me turn off this TV and let me hold the rewards, approval, affection. 
Do you know what that does to the state of mind of a kid when he is not getting love or approval from their parents, specifically their dad? I mean, they have a hard time fitting in. You're not helping if you're constantly just tearing them down. You're always not good enough. Do better. These things and many more will lead your child to be angry. Paul is saying, don't be that father who neglects, who talks down, who, who requests unreasonable demands or oversteps. Don't be that father. Discipline them. Look out for them. But be careful what you may overdo or be careful with what you're not doing enough of. There has to be a balance. I always say that, you know, we, we have this hard time with just balancing things out. And this is another thing. We sometimes just push too much or we just pull back. Don't anger them. Hey, don't anger them. But, okay, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. So rather than discouraging or, or discarding your kids, right? Fathers, you are responsible to train them. So it's completely the opposite of what we're kind of used to hearing, right? If you uh, remember the law, it says, hey, it's up to you. Throw them away. He's saying, I, I, I don't think so. I don't care who your kid is. That's not what you do. You don't choose to throw them away. You choose to train them. Paul says to them, you have to raise them. They're not going to raise themselves. And, man, I'm, and, I, and I can just see many people will be like, no, you know. I've seen kids kind of grow up and raising themselves. Let me tell you something. No, they're not. There's something influencing them. Whether it's the TV, whether it's your friends, whether it's an uncle, or somebody is there, there influencing that kid. So he, and Paul is saying, you fathers is the one that needs to be there. Not the TV, not the magazines, not the books, you the father. So the first thing he says, discipline them. So what is discipline, right? Discipline is when you train by rules and regulation, enforced by rewards and punishment. You discipline and correct, even if it requires verbal or corporal, or corporal punishment. You discipline them. If they do good, good. But if they don't, it's time for punishment. What comes from doing what you're not supposed to? So if your children needs a spanking, go ahead and give them a spanking. Of course, don't abuse the kid with a spanking, but give him a spanking. Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him, <coughs> sorry, if you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, he will serve his soul. Sorry, if you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul. Discipline. Discipline your kids. And fathers, that's what we got to do. We got to discipline our kids. And then he says, instruct them. So what is that? Instruction is when you teach them verbally, when you rebuke, when you reprove. So you first establish rules, and then you give verbal instructions. You start guiding them. So that's what we got to do. We got to teach them. So now here, here's what's important about what Paul is saying. When, when he talks about discipline and instructions. What he's saying is when you discipline, 
And when you instruct, do it based on the word of God. Right? Because we can think, we can have many different ideas of how we can discipline and instruct. Right? There's many different ways. But he's saying, no. Not just any way. Out of love. Here's an example. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he reproved, when, when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. See, when you discipline, do it because you love your child and you want the best for them. Right? Because that's how God does it. Because when God disciplines you, it's because he loves you. That's what he's saying. I am disciplining because I love you. Because if I didn't love you, I would just leave you to your sin. Just go. But I'm disciplining you. Don't do it to make them angry. Don't hold off on love just to discipline your kids. When you teach them, when you guide them. And when you instruct... Teach him the word of God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproofing, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every work. And this is right, this is why I usually say, you know. I, before I, you know, did this whole parenting thing, right? I learned very easily that my first go-to is never a book. How to discipline your kids, how to teach your kids, how to be a parent was never a book. I never went to a book. It's because though it's, it's not intended, though the Bible is not intended to be a parental guide, that's not the intention of the Bible. Parenting. So rather than us fathers usually going first to a book, let me go buy all these books so I can learn how to teach and how to guide and how to discipline. You got one already in the house. It's called the Bible. Child training should be in the Lord and with the word because that's where life is. That's where the truth resides. Books can have many opinions, and I've read a few. I'm not, you know, not the whole thing, a few, and I only read one book and told me, hey, go back to the Bible. That's what the book said. The Bible has truth, truth that no one's going to be able to provide to you because it's there. That's truth. Everything else is opinions. You could have taught your child the best the best things and you could have have the best behaving kid in the world and you taught your child to be the most behaving kid in the world and he's the best at behaving good but you have not taught him the word of God you've done nothing because what have you done for him where is he going after this you don't get into heaven because you're well behaved you've done nothing teach him the word of God and, and, and what God wants him to know Most of you know John Piper. Most of you know who John Piper is. He has a son. 
I think he has a few some, but he has one specifically. I forget his name. I can't remember his name. He left the faith. He's no longer a believer. And he has he has a, uh, I'm going to say Twitter? TikTok? Yeah, sorry. I don't know. He has a TikTok channel that he uh, goes ahead and posts videos. And he was one of his videos talk about how, how crazy it is that a father will teach his kids the Bible. And all the stories are in the Bible, how violent it is. A five-year-old talking about Noah's Ark and all the death. What kind of craziness is that? Why would you teach your kid that? But that's exactly what they need to know. They need to know how broken they are and, and who can heal them. That's what they need to know. I was reading a comment on a, on a, on a, on a book. Uh, a What do you call those books that you guys, uh, the house, uh, to do a devotion with Adam? Right, because I've been convicted by this, like you have no idea. But uh, <clears throat> I've been uh, looking at some devotional books to do with Adam. Uh, Jocelyn already has one. Uh, and I read a comment. I was like, I always look through the comments to see what they say because I can't see exactly what's in there. And I don't want to just buy books and then throw them out because they suck. But this is one, I guess it was a lady. Uh, she put a comment. I don't like this, this uh this commentary because it talks about too much of the violence that happened in the book. And I want my kid to just know God's love. It's like, no, see, you're missing the point. Because of everything that happens is how you see God's love. The word of God, that's what it is. That's what we should be teaching the kids. Now we get caught up in this trying to change the outward appearance of a child, but the inside is all empty. We have to go to the heart of the matter. That's why I always say, you know, we could talk about all these issues and we could talk about all these things, but if you don't tackle the heart, then we're always going to have a problem. And everyone, their kids need to be saved as well. Teach them about salvation, how to live a life in obedience to God. That's more important than anything you can teach your child. I want to finish with this. And, and these, these type of sermons, you can finish a sermon in many different ways. I can go many different directions. Because many of us have to deal with being a, uh, a father, and many of us have dealt with being uh, with, with fathers who have been bad fathers or bad husbands, right? But I just want to leave you with two quick things. I mean, we know we can easily... Look around everywhere, right? And, and we know a father who has failed. We maybe know them ourselves. Maybe we have that close experience with our own father who failed us. Or with our husband. It could be your own father. Because we all know a father who's in heaven, who has never failed us, and has proven to us time and time again that he's always going to be with us. And he's never going to fail us. So even if that father figure hurt you in any way, look at the father who has sacrificed himself in order to give you eternal life. That's the most important father we can look at. And, and, and I'm telling you, we, there's too many. It's 43%. We've all dealt with one. All of us. But we can't focus on that. We've got to focus on our father who's in heaven. And now for those fathers who, who have come up short, Right? Because if you're like me, you have come up short many times. 
Remember, it's God's direct calling for you fathers to be spirit-filled and lead just like Paul mentioned. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not an idea. This is a command came from God. Knowing God more. You have to know God more. Fathers, we have to avoid things that hurt your children and train them and verbally guide them in the way of Christ. If you're a father and, and don't know what your calling is, right? You're, you're like, I don't know what God's called me to do. This is your calling right here. It starts there. It starts in your home. It starts with loving your wife and then loving your kids. You yourself must obey God. You must seek God. And you must seek His kingdom. Which means that you're going to go counterculture. And even though fathers in society are allowed to just abandon the kids if they feel like it. Because 43% do it. Because they're allowed to. It means that you're not going to. That's what that means. You're going to obey God and you're going to be over your household. But know this, there's no But that forgiveness is there. You must repent. You must ask God to forgive you. Turn your ways and seek the forgiveness of your kids. Change your life. Go from that and continue on a new one. And then start to walk as a spirit-filled father. It's never too late to ask forgiveness. It's never too late to change your life unless you're dead. Then it's too late. But as long as you can breathe, if you failed as a father, turn to Christ. Don't wait till tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. This could be it. Today could be it. And I want to end with one last quote from John Piper himself. He says, there's a famous cigarette billboard picture of a curly-headed, bronze-faced, muscular macho with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. The sign says, where man belongs. Man belongs is leading his family to the house of God. Where man belongs is up early and alone with God, seeking his vision and direction for his family. Church, pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your words. Thank you for, for such a short sentence, but so powerful and so deep. Father, thank you because you've revealed this to us, Lord. And, and through you, Father, and through who you are, we can live out this life, Lord. Father, just give us that desire to be good fathers. Give us that desire to be good, good role models for our kids who lead and, and discipline them in the way of your word, Father. Thank you for leading by example. Thank you for sacrificing your life for us as a great father who, who you are, Father. Father, as we walk this life in this world that you has kept us in, Lord, we, we may not belong to this world, but we are here, Father. So allow us to be this light, even if it's difficult. In your name we pray. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, 
would like to connect or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us. Again, we want to thank you for listening. And remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church. Mm-hmm.